please visit mouseandweens.com show notes for all resources listed here. And thank you so much to our patrons. Podfix. This is Frederick Nietzsche. You're listening to my favorite podcast, Mouse and Weens. What does Frederick Nietzsche sound like? Not this. All right, everybody. Well, I am Mouse. I'm Joelle. I'm the mom one in San Diego. I'm Weens, and I'm in LA, and I'm I'm in a closet. It's Pride <laughs> Month, but I'm in the closet. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> Physically in the closet. And who do we have with us here on Zoom? If anyone wants to go to YouTube, we have the lovely and wonderful. Uh, let's hear the voice. Let's do a guess this voice. Uh, welcome to Mouse and Weens. Maddie here, and I'm joined this time by Mouse and Weens. Yay! It's Maddie from Nooks and Crannies. So glad you're here. This is great. This is a long time coming. We've been uh, chatting and and listening to each other for how long now? Years, right? I think I might be one of your original listeners, actually. First listen, I'm like, oh, they got the it factor. Yay! Second listen, I'm like, they have to have me on the show. (laughs) I would be a perfect guest. I know. And likewise, Why it goes did it take so long? Right back at you. Yeah. Your show is great. Nooks and crannies, everyone. And you know how so what's I... What's my show about? You know... <laughs> Everything. Yes. You have so many interesting subjects. I have listened to a bunch, and that's why I was excited to... I had so many questions, and Joelle said, like, pick four. We can't... We only have an hour. I know. <laughs> Yeah, and then I got like a deluge of additional like 12 topics. So. <laughs> really? Joelle, did you do that? Well, I was sending all the links you were sending me. You had the, the oh. URLs to stuff like, oh, we could read this and then we'll, that might, yeah, it was just Oh, sorry, that wasn't fun. meant to overwhelm you, but I figure you can handle it, Matt. Well, yeah. once we started getting into bonobo sexuality, I was oh, like, I love okay, it. I, I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> That is so impressive. Right? Like, I got rock. a page. I got a page of notes just based on those four topics. So, so oh, I'm so go. excited. Let's yeah. Well, it. let's jump in. So, so Weens, I'm going to give you a little intro because you are currently taking um, college courses, finishing your degree in. Have you switched from sociology to psychology? Yeah. Okay. So, but it's no. all of these yes. plus Uh-oh. anthropology. Yeah. And it then... was a better program at the school I got into because yeah, I had to do sure. it fast and online. <laughs> Most programs are better than sociology. So oh, that's the I old division right there. Though. Did you, no. you like sociology better than? No. Uh, like, okay. So we rank sociology slightly ahead of psychology because we're very suspicious of psychology and anthropology. But this is the three-way like pissing match that we have in <laughs> academics yeah. and this is the rivalry yeah so anthropology we're the oldest discipline so yeah. we feel like we trump them so yeah yeah yes. but, but back in our early part of our discipline we we're measuring skulls and ranking races so it's Ooh. nothing to really to like write home about but we still got them by like 60 years so. and by the you... way that was nuts and have, <laughs> have you heard of the chrono what is it that was kind of after that where they ranked um 
humans from, you know, the dark skin tone as subhuman going up to superhuman. And it came yeah. after the skulls. And then that was like, oh, well, and that became the doctrine like before the Enlightenment period. Yeah, for you sure. Because about? yeah, for sure. Like it would be like lecture three when I was like giving TA lectures in anthropology. I love going like radical and political um, because like some people have this knowledge of like phrenology and eugenics, right? Those are the fields of like legitimate science back in the day uh, where they would. So phrenology is measuring the bumps on the skull and then eugenics is just sort of like everything else. But it's um, basically concluding about people's behaviors and their characteristics based on physical appearance or physical dimensionality. So it's pseudoscience because that's not a valid thought basically like that's there's nothing like really interesting or scientific about it but it was the dominant um belief in the social sciences for like starting in like the 1870s all the way up till pretty much like the 1930s i was thinking about it today i think world war ii was what finally put a kibosh to uh, like eugenics and these sorts of um theories and yeah the racial classification schemes that was an attempt to try to like systematize the world right because they're encountering all these new people from different parts of the world through like colonialism and what have you um but it's uh it was value laden or moral because they were ranking the different people so it's it's kind of strange but like um you know african americans or people from africa would be ranked lowest and then above them often was the irish and then it would be like the Chinese. <laughs> like, so it's very Why interesting that like Irish? political reasons, because um, the people who are making the schemes were like Americans in like the 1880s. And they had all these Irish immigrants and they hated the Irish immigrants. And then, you know, the Italians would be like right down there as well. We are and, such dicks. Yeah. <laughs> Just overall. Hey, Can Canada was doing it too. Eh? So. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So that's the root of all of this. It's like a color scheme and a, a skull skull shape. Skull. Or it was skull like measuring, so a smaller brain was linked to uh, okay. the darker skin, yeah. smaller brain kind of thing. And there was yeah. a big argument for it. Yeah, and it was also got to like what they believed the potential of people were. So they would be like African Americans or people from Africa because of their physical body proportions are better suited for physical labor. Now that's obviously a justification for slavery, right? Mm. So there was a lot of political um like meanings that were ascribed to these classification schemes so it really depended on who was doing the classifying right so maybe like if it was a british scholar they might break down like the indian from india indian uh, population and maybe they have like punjabi sikhs up near the top like above hindus and maybe below muslims i don't know um, but they would be like a reflection of their colonial beliefs and desires essentially so it's kind of just reworking a uh... A plan after what they already wanted. Yeah, it's prove. just systematizing racism. Yeah, yeah, basically. Oh In gosh. Canada too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, no, we're, who's we're more egregious? Uh, <laughs> see, that was one of the topics. It's like, how do you rank racism, right? So, yeah. <laughs> what I wrote was like, um, it, like colonialism takes different forms depending on where and when 
it's happening, like who's doing it, when it's happening and where it's happening. Right. So like the British experience in India is different than the British experience in North America, for example. So in Canada, when it comes to our indigenous or first nations populations, um, while we had like outright, you know, massacres and things like this or murders or um, things like this, it like it was more of a cultural genocide. Uh, and that doesn't mean that it's any less severe, it's just different. So in Canada, we tended to displace peoples, uh, take their language away in different ways. We had the residential school system, which was a novel Canadian concept that we had like um, state-sponsored but religiously administered residential schools where uh, First Nations children were literally snatched up from their villages and taken off to some residential school hundreds of kilometers Can away. Can you describe, is it Indigenous people being Inuit or? Um, oh yeah, so we use the terms, so in anthropology the term is Indigenous because that just means like native to that land or whatever, mm -hmm. like the original people. And then First Nations is like a catch-all phrase for all indigenous peoples in Canada. And then we also designate Inuit. Uh, so the people used to call them Eskimos, but Inuit is the proper term. And uh, Métis, which are like First Nations, uh, French sort of hmm. mixed people, I suppose. Um, and it's a distinct group in Canada. Okay, yeah. there you go. And like, so in Canada, like, our history textbooks will paint the picture. It's very much like America this way, where we have a selective representation of our history and we mm -hmm. kind of erase certain elements of our history or alter it to make it like sanitized essentially. Yeah. So you often guys, the, yeah. You, you guys oh, so, just published your recent episode, which was great. You did mention that where, you know, textbooks will just yeah. have a paragraph and it's almost like yeah. more of a slap in the face to only give it a paragraph versus just keep it out or something. I think that was Evan's idea, but yeah. 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 And the same with our textbooks here, because you don't learn about uh, native, well, indigenous people here until I think it's junior. I just took a class in native uh, Indians. It's so funny. Okay. That's the other thing is what do you call the people? So you say indigenous because yeah. they told me like some of the, the natives in the class said, just ask them what they want to be called. Sometimes it's native. Sometimes it's just Indian. But always ask was the, yeah. but I'm so worried about saying the wrong thing. Honestly, but indigenous is ask. safe. That's what yeah. I did. Like, um, so I happened to grow up in a, like a very multicultural place. So like I got to ask like the uncomfortable questions when I was in like grade five. Right. So like <laughs> when you're you 10, still when, get away with it. <laughs> so, but now as adults, we just, you just ask and like, they might, yeah. you might be surprised. It might be like Ogallala. Right. And you're like, mm -hmm. Oh, where's that from? And then you get to learn about their people and their history. One truism I found in anthropology is people, it doesn't matter where, they are in the world. They love to talk about themselves, Aww. right? So you just That's like, like a, just human yours. nature, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a universal. Oh, yeah. So um, uh, I think in America, you guys are like Native Americans or mm -hmm. something. Is is but like I like Indigenous because it's kind of academic and it like signals to like my anthropology background. And then because in Canada, you got to be like First Nation, Métis, Inuit. Like right. it's like it's like boom boom boom, um, yeah. and but before we were calling them Indians as well, yeah yeah, yeah. okay. And indigenous but, applies to maybe any land, right? I mean, there's native people exactly. to any area, so that yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like the indigenous people in like Russia and like Siberia mm -hmm. versus like. Did you know there's indigenous people in Finland? No, wow. I guess not. Exactly. I mean, but it makes sense. We all everybody's been yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Somewhere. Totally. Wow. But so I 
just after taking this class, of course, mm-hmm. you know, you hear about the genocides and the massacres, and it's always the, it seems to be, well, what I learned, so it's the Europe, first it was Spanish here, and then it was Russians. There's a lot of, uh, and Russians weren't as bad as the Spanish, like grabbing people and putting them in indentured. And then they would, it was called indentured servitude and convict leasing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was similar, but um, like the U.S. government was all for the secret militia gangs going out and getting rid of people off the land. And it was very government funded. And they, yeah, they don't want to put any of this in the history books at all. Right. So they teach a nice little sanitized section in junior of high school. And that's kind of it, unless you choose it in college to learn about it. Yeah, that's it's it. a shame. Like we have like First Nation studies all through high school, for example, and even into elementary school, but it's how it's portrayed. So in Canada, it's like, oh, we just did fur trading and we traded fish and stuff. And it was, it was cool, like kumbaya, man. Right. But like really, like there's no mention to, I just uh, can only imagine they were getting smallpox and stuff up in Canada, just like they were in America. But I mean, I imagine that happens in Canada, but I can only imagine because we don't talk about it. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure there's not much documentation kept of it either. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. And Joel, do you did you get anything in school? Um, no, I mean it sounds a lot like, you know, oh, we had Thanksgiving with the Indians and everybody brought their vegetables to the table and we all got along. And smallpox blankets. Yeah. <laughs> and then there were some battles cuz it was like, well, wait, this is our land, but we worked it out and, you know, they got their reservation and we got our land and here we are. And then I remember you did a mission project, right? Mm-hmm. Because that was where you build a mission out of sugar cubes. And right. that was the Spanish. And that was like, oh, the Indians loved the missions. Yeah, yeah. It was very which much. Which is actually where they captured them and made them work for free and right. killed them. And... Right, yeah. Yeah, everything was very sweet. And then no mention of Literally. the Chinese brought over yeah. for the railroads, <laughs> right? The Chinese. And, and remember yeah. Julianne going in Northern California, we'd drive out to the hills and like do our camping trips and stuff. And dad would always point out the, the, there were tons and tons of fences just made of boulders and very old. And he said, oh, yeah, this is where, you know, all the Chinese came and they would help landowners divide up their land. And this, and just watching the miles and miles of bouldered fences built, it's just boggling to the imagination. And then it's, there's no mention of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Nope, I don't even remember that. I know, I've, uh... I know. Matt, um, do you have blocks in your childhood? Do I have what? <laughs> Mental blocks? Blocks in your childhood, like I do? I remember... Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Do you... Okay, <laughs> well, did you have something to say about that? Because, of course, I'm, like, derailing off this topic. But... <laughs> no, I mean, it's a pretty heavy topic. The yeah. only thing I'd say on this note, um, I mean, it's the 21st century, folks. Uh, Wikipedia, where you're living right now, and learn about your local unfortunately probably heinous history yes. that surrounds you and just go educate yourself it's a it's a good thing and for any canadian listeners uh you should find out where the closest residential school is to where you live and go learn about that history absolutely yep. yeah and That's here right. we have one called the sherman school and we have mm-hmm. one called the carlisle school sherman school i think was nevada and carlisle is in riverside and those were the same as what you're talking about, yeah. where it was a school set up to basically take the kids from the parents and make them white, like get rid of your language, yeah. start wearing these clothes. And they basically captured them, beat them Ugh. into submission. Same with what you're saying on your That's podcast. So awful. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Ugh, we don't know this. We we all really should know this. It's true. At least, yeah. It's true. And, yeah. Anyway, so on a note, I'm thinking of. I just went on a couple websites too, thinking of stacking rocks. Here's my famous segue. Um, Stonehenge, aliens. <laughs> Someone <laughs> that was a good segue. Thank you. Good job. Someone on Reddit <laughs> took a UFO with like it had strings and it was holding up the Stonehenge you know, rock and placing it. And they were doing this whole depiction of how it could have happened. And then, and then Julianne, listening to your professor, she recorded one of her professors talking about it, about the pyramids being built. And is it possible that it's alien? And so what are your thoughts on aliens and UFOs? Because we have a, a pseudo expert here too. <laughs> Look, his hand is over his face. Why? Um, <laughs> okay. I don't know if the episode is still available, but it's a UFO show, UFO show hosted by uh, Rob Christopherson, a bu- buddy of mine in podcasting. It's called Our Strange Skies. Um, and I went on there and totally debunked the ancient alien theory and, oh. and tore into it. But then the second half was all about men in black, which I totally believe in. So, um, but no. Uh, okay. So like the nutshell of that 45 minute discussion was the ancient alien theory is is racist actually um when you look at um the theories around like oh who built this or that structure um take stonehenge for example it was built by white people in england right um most of the ancient alien theorists will say that stonehenge is used to communicate with aliens so it's almost like an interlocutor like one-to-one relationship whereas uh for brown-skinned people or black-skinned people um their pyramids and stuff were built by the aliens almost as if they're not capable (laughs) and then this theory yeah i know no one thinks about it but it's totally racist (laughs) and that's why all the ancient alien theorists uh, are all white guys right (laughs) who who likely couldn't crack it in academics they're probably like jerks who got fired from their (laughs) tenured positions (laughs) and then they become ancient alien theorists because they have oh a axe to grind you know who yeah, i'm thinking of i have to tell you i went to switzerland in the middle of nowhere it was one of those trips where i just mm-hmm. closed my eyes and pointed to i was in europe and i just said i don't know where i want to go and the train thing went and it stopped on interlock in switzerland and i go okay and i jump on a train it took seven hours i get there and where i'm in a youth hostel and i go what is this thing i'm seeing in the distance and i just walked over and it was eric van Doniken who did the chariot of the gods was a famous and he was a he was an ancient alien white like german right and he built this Mm -hmm. fucking museum in the middle of switzerland that nobody went to it was like in the hills and it was you just sat there i was like me and two other people And there was a whole, and it was like, yeah, it was like the people mover. Because that thing was only open for like five years. Do you know like, what I'm so talking about? Yeah, 100%. I talked about it on the podcast. No! <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. He built it to himself. And the guy was such a pretentious snob that nobody wanted to go because... Can you, you explain know. it? I've tried to explain it and people don't believe me and they tune out. I don't know yeah, how to explain it. Yeah, it's just basically a, a guy, like a crazy um, narcissist built a shrine to himself in Switzerland. But it's like, <laughs> it. it's a it's a geodesic dome and you oh, go okay. in and you, all of a sudden you're like, they go, welcome, please sit in the theater and they sit you oh, down yeah. and then they're like, here are the Nazca lines and, and then they have like little figures that uh, like you touch and you get to play with things and then you sit and watch a video and then they walk you to another section. It was the weirdest thing. It felt like 
a cult? I, I thought I wasn't going to come back. It was so it's odd. Like you look back at the entrance, you'd be like, did I miss the mushrooms? I was <laughs> yeah, I know. It made no sense. And it made less sense when I yeah. left. Except that. So, yeah. So what so, was it? Uh, yeah, okay. He was trying to explain the aliens or it was just like. Kind the of aliens helped experience. to build ancient technology, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, basically. It? Like, um, he basically was, you know, the the TV show Ancient Aliens, right? Like on History Channel or whatever it's on. It's it. like the show that everybody watches around this theory. It's been popular for like 10 years or something. Uh, it's good that you don't know it because <laughs> I'd be worried that if you're like, it was my favorite show. I'm about to um, go down this wormhole, though, because my husband and I have watched like three alien shows in a row, you know, documentaries. And now we're like, hmm, let's find out more. Yeah. Okay. See, like, I totally believe in aliens. Aliens make sense. And um, I have some UFO stories I'm probably about to share. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to like aliens and archaeology, uh, from an archaeological perspective, I used to study archaeology. Um, it was actually Eric von Daniken who got me into the discipline. Like when I read his book when I was 15, I was like, I could probably do that. Like this isn't that hard. That's <laughs> like, cool. Um, but then I quickly realized that like once you start learning about archaeology and like actually how the people figured out how to make a pyramid, that's kind of crazy um, with like like they had metal but it was like bronze right like the softest metal ever how can you build like perfectly chiseled rocks and wheel them up on logs and organize a crew of like fifty thousand workers and they weren't slaves either there's evidence in egypt they used to think that they were enslaved labor they weren't these this was like um constricted labor once a year you had to go volunteer on the pyramid or whatever and uh, they gave you rice and beer basically but anyway um but once you start learning these little details archaeology is more interesting than the ancient alien theory because if aliens did everything like that's boring true very true it's actually more interesting to figure out how do they build that like the nazca lines is um, a pretty simple little like you draw like a graph like a line down and a line across and then you just draw the shape that you want can you explain it for people who don't know what that is yeah, like, oh, the Nazca lines are yeah. like, basically, if you were in a spaceship or a, a plane, um, and you look down on uh, Chile, it's like in Chile, Peru, up in the highlands, um, they're basically outlines of like monkeys and birds and oh. things like this. And, and it's like, miles and miles. Alien, yeah, and it's, it's pretty, it's very impressive. Um, uh, engineering feet right um, and then if you go down to ground level what you see it's it's a bunch of like white or gray colored rocks like about this big like about the size of a baseball or golf ball uh, put down over now this is the thing the Nazca lines weren't just like built in like say even like five years which would be pretty sh fast archaeologically they were built over a span of like thousands of years. So that can, I mean, a few people take a rocks each, a few people take a rocks each day and then they finally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. And that's yeah. the beautiful thing about archaeology. It's like, how would I do it? If it yeah. was me and like 12 of my buddies and we're all ripped on ayahuasca, <laughs> we'd probably make the Nazca lines. <laughs> and have you tried ayahuasca? No, that one's too scary. I, I do stick scary. with the botanicals. Um, I'm more afraid of powders of any sort. But um, no, ayahuasca, it's like, I don't need to see the serpent gods. Like, I just, <laughs> I'm happy to just eat a couple of mushrooms and go camping with my buddies. You know, there you that's, go. that's enough. <laughs> Have oh you done it, Weeds? I can't remember if you... No, but I researched it okay, a lot because I was writing a screenplay on the Amazon. And, and so it was, it was before it was like super popular. 
I have to say that because I thought it was so fascinating yeah. and oh, yeah, that I was sure. like discovering it. But then I read a book called Breaking Open Your Head and it was like a writer from yeah. Spin Magazine. If you've ever heard of this one where I think he was um, just trying to figure out like, like what are these drugs from each of this these indigenous tribes? Like there was a, a boga root was from Africa and that was the one that they're now using to help cure get people off of heroin and opioids yeah, totally it's apparently very successful yeah but it's I think the in worst Canada. time ever dude it's really? the worst time ever oh it's the worst that's why you can kick what? heroin on it because you puke your brains out and and you never like, want to do any kind of drug again basically yeah and <laughs> like, it makes you like examine your soul on like it'll take you back to your like infancy not even childhood but like infancy okay yeah. what the fuck are these things that are growing on our earth that make us look at our soul it makes no sense <laughs> We've always used them. That's one of the things in archaeology that I find interesting. It's called ethnobotany, right? Mm. And it's um, an archaeoethnobotany is um, the cultural beliefs people ascribe to plants and archaeo would be in the past, right? And you can see um, archaeologically some remains of various uh, products. So like hemp, for example, cannabis has been used for at least 9,000 years. Really? It's one of the first domesticated crops. Like now you might think, Maddie, you're quite the pothead and it is true i am but uh, um but and like every pothead will tell you this always been used for ten thousand years like i can tell you archaeologically there have been findings where you'll find little seeds of it inscribed in the sides of pottery basically <gasps> wow. and that's how they can tell yeah they put the so pot that is pottery our... yeah yeah, yeah. yeah hey, hey. <laughs> because we signed our damn declaration of independence on that hemp paper of course yeah, that's why you can still see it, right? It's still lasting. It's like a 300-year-old document, and it looks like basically new. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's in my mind. With, I didn't know any yeah. of this. I love this. It's the same with and... World War I and World War II uniforms as well. That's why yeah. they preserve so well. But the Fabric. stuff from Vietnam doesn't. Wow. And we got rid of it. Why did we get rid of it is the thing. I think cotton was the big money-making product, and so they kind of tried to yeah. get rid of hemp, but people have been fighting for that, saying it's not just because you get high, it's because it's really good fabric, it's really good rope, yeah. it's really good yeah, paper. Yeah, they, they made it illegal in the 20s, basically, because yeah. they didn't see the difference between farming and, and smoking. And now in Canada, it's legal to grow hemp. Now it's legal to like grow cannabis and smoke it and stuff. It's legal now. Um, but hemp has always been legal, and um, it's, it's a great little industry for us. Like they grow it all through Manitoba and uh, we sell you our hemp seeds. So all those hemp Thank seeds you. that you're throwing on your salad, this comes from us. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> oh, how's it going there, eh? <laughs> yeah, Julianne uses those in uh, her famous green smoothies, the, the hemp seeds. I know, because well, they have a lot of omegas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go. they're really good for the brain. That and something I've been doing is fish oil. I think everybody should I just started to do it oh. and I... I've been like anti-fish, but I feel like my brain is saying, thank you. Really? Yeah. It's, it, oh, you're so much more relaxed. Your mind calms down. You're just in a little bit better mood and it's good for flexibility. Ooh, it helps I you move around. I, you know, I tried to get vegan ones too and I just, uh, I don't know. Cause it's got like that DEH and EAH or something that you need. Nah. No, nah, yeah. just eat a eat fish oil and have the weird burps for an hour after. <laughs> <laughs> Tough enough. Blame it on the cat. <laughs> We are sponsored by Dream Dinners. Go to dreamdinners.com and enter Mouse and Weens 99 at checkout if you're in the local area of Poway or San Marcos, and you will get $99 off your first order and free delivery if you choose it, or you can go pick it up. 
It is such a game changer, you guys. Dream Dinners has really changed our family mealtime. We make meals together. We sit down together. I feel confident that they're healthy foods, and the kids can even make them. My husband can make them. It's a really fun, wonderful service. I've been using it for three years, and I finally approached them and said, let's make this a business arrangement because I talk about you all the time anyway. So here we are. You save an average of $200 a month off your grocery bill if you sign up for Dream Dinners, which isn't a subscription service. It really is a ad hoc. You can choose it monthly. Uh, whenever you want to stop, you can stop. So there's no subscription. Um, you only have to come in and pick up your meals once a month or have them delivered, but you will get a good bunch of meals in your freezer that you can thaw out and use as you see fit. This is perfect for people who have likes, dislikes, and allergies, and you can insert special instructions for your meals. And it really will change your lifestyle. You guys, please do go try it, mouseandweens.com. We have a quick link to give you your $99 off, or you can go to dreamdinners.com, choose your location. They are nationwide. And if you are in our local area, enter mouseandweens99 and get free delivery and $99 off your first order. And that was a word from our sponsor. Okay, now that we have you here, Matt, <laughs> tell us what you know about, now, first of all, how do you pronounce it? Bonobo? Bonobo? Bonobo. 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 Bonobo sex. Sex. We, we sex. pulled up this article. We will link this in our show notes along with everything else. And what is the connection between um, that Humans, and, bonobo, and sex. That's it. Yeah. Honestly, you guys, somebody sent that to me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I could totally talk about this. I have a lot to say on, like, primate <laughs> sexual behaviors. Me okay. too. So um, out here in British Columbia, there's two universities, right? The University of British Columbia in Vancouver, and then this other place called Simon Fraser, SFU, right? And that's in Burnaby. At SFU, I took uh, two courses, undergrad primate behavior courses, taught by an extremely extremely famous primatologist that no one's ever heard of okay so back in the late 60s early 70s jane goodall got sent out by uh the leakies right so it's um mary and like richard leakey or Ro lewis leakey and yes. mary leakey are the parents and they sent out jane goodall to study chimpanzees diane fossey to study mountain gorillas and then my prof barute geldekas to study orangutans so she's one of the three angels of like the leakies, the founding scientists in primatology, essentially. And they basically and found the first um, human They remains. were the first ones who did it. Yeah, like, no, it was, um, so the paleontologists, the ones who found the fossils were the leakies. And then they sent out uh, good old Fossey and Galdicus, um to study primates so that they can make that connection between the fossils and also human behavior by studying primates and kind of fill in the picture of the past, right? So... When Jane Goodall was out studying chimpanzees, she, you know, crossed a river one day and saw these different looking chimpanzees and they became known as the bonobos. They are a type of chimpanzees. So bonobos and chimps can have sex and produce viable offspring that can also produce offspring. Um, so they're not a different species. Uh, they're not like um, mules that way, like donkey horse uh, like offspring. Hybrid. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then they're sterile, right? So um, but they're different in all other ways from chimps. So chimps are psychopaths. 
right? They will rip your arm off and beat you to death with your own arm and then rip your eyeballs out just for fun. Like they're that kind of crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And when I was writing my notes about bonobo intercourse um, (laughs) and uh, and sex, because uh, different, um, uh, I actually thought um, chimpanzees are more like humans than bonobos are. Bonobos are, so chimps are the violent ones. Bonobos are the free love hippy dippy ones Ooh. right so but they're the women leaders right the women are in charge matriarchal society i think so or it's more like neither men or women are in charge it's an egalitarian society which is even more interesting because there are matriarchal animal species around right it's actually not as rare as humans want patriarchal humans yeah, want exactly. to believe, right <laughs> <laughs> um so not only are they having like straightforward heterosexual sex, right? Male, female, female, male. Um, they're also having all sorts of gay sex, right? They have sex for fun. They have sex for practice. They have sex for communication. Um, they masturbate as well. Uh, they might masturbate use uh, sex other. toys. Yeah, they, they, or, there's oral sex as well. It's, it's just like a sexy ass time <laughs> just on this other side of this one particular river in like i believe it's the congo it's like fire island yeah. over there right it's that it uh... is except uh <laughs> there's more resources there's more sandwiches yeah yeah <laughs> that's right i think in the and article they... i read too i liked when they said there was penis sword play i thought that was a fun yeah. Yeah. sentence yeah that's <laughs> right sword fight. and also i think aren't it, the dna is it closer in chimps to humans or is it almost exactly the same because that's uh, our closest li- living relative yeah so i would say that like the degrees of differences are so minute when you go that far into the past because we're talking like when the homo uh, species like homo sapien homo erectus homo habardii ounces homo neanderthalensis all the homos right um they so homo sapiens like us they broke off from the ape line like i can't remember the numbers i used to know but it was something like 60 million years ago 50 million years ago or something like that like or like 20 million years ago like it was a really really freaking long time ago um so the difference between bonobo chimp orangutan chimp mountain gorilla chimp and humans is is so tiny but there is some differences. So I'd say if you really got down to the numbers, yeah, chimps are our closest uh, non. But they're pretty. Bonobos ancestor. are pretty dang close. And are they? But we're more like apes. That's disappointing. Yeah, we're more like chimps. We're violent. We're assholes. I mean, chimps, we don't have sex for fun just to form strong social bonds with like our neighbors. Like that's just not something humans would be rocking. Right. <laughs> you know what I loved reading too? I remember reading about these guys before and the ladies would like to dissipate any tension. They would go and like just, hey, and they would start like caressing one of the other bonobos to calm a situation down or rub their genitalia up against them and... <laughs> Can They're like, let's imagine? just quick have sex instead yeah. of fighting. Like, let's yeah, yeah. <laughs> make love, not war, right? Yeah. I'll try that on my husband tonight when we fight over who does dishes, and uh, I'll see if it just works. Start rubbing your genitalia on him and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> also, the well, part no, it's, it's, that they yeah, like they like to teach the juveniles how to do things, so mm-hmm. they do it in front of them to show them this is how it's done. Like, totally, yeah, that's what I mean that. with like training and practice. Um, and there's actually a lot of cultures around Papua the New world, Guinea. like. All over the place, man, even like indigenous groups, uh, uh, maybe they're not doing this anymore, but they would uh, routinely, they'd be like called um, puberty rituals, right? So when a boy or a girl hit puberty, they had a series of rituals. Um, Much of it was like uh, seclusion, like you'd be taken away from the main settlement to like 
like a bang palace basically where you learn how to have sex and it would often be like the men taking the boys out and they would engage in like homosexual sexual activity um and same for women and and it's like they're just trained i read that about papua new guinea that the they would teach the boys how to do oral sex on them and that would be their training yeah and that's like the best case scenario because there's also cultures where it's like you'd be like tortured out there sexually and it was just it's just part of their culture and their belief practices so as an anthropologist if you're out in the field and you happen to learn about this because often these sorts of practices are kept secret and away from like some white dude from some university right Right, (laughs) you don't want to be talking about like you know borderline like sexual assault right um uh but if you do find out about it it comes into this um debate in anthropology it's called cultural relativism uh it's basically like how much do we judge another culture's cultural practices yeah right and when do we step up and say like that's wrong and i I need to put a stop to this or i don't want to like participate in this any longer versus like like just a normal practice they do right Right. Like, and and where's everybody's line that they draw? Like, why and is it that do we we're have okay a say? with certain things and not others? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Do we have a positionality uh, to say something? Exactly. Uh, what would we be without our societal rules? Like, do you think? And that was my other question: monogamy versus. What are we more like? Are we ape-like? I mean, why do I keep saying ape? Like bonobo-y? Should we all be rubbing our junk up on people and making egalitarian societies? I don't know. I like would you, okay. So often I tell like students like put yourself in those apes genitalia rubbing shoes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, would you want to live in just like a freewheeling bang society, or would you want like maybe one or two partners, or maybe one? And then there is also like sexual differences. Like there's patriarchy, matriarchy, right? Like patriarchal beliefs and like male dominance and stuff. And that's historic and it's well rooted in our society. It's hard to unlearn and all that sort of stuff. However, there's also like a not genetic, but like biological where I believe and it's not really belief it's just sort of more biological that it's easier for men to have multiple partners or women want like single partners. Like there's a lot of anthropology around and it's actually, believe it or not, like feminist anthropology where they're trying to figure out what is like without any value judgments, but what is the more natural? Like, so in a lot of societies, they think that like, it's not paternalism, but like monogamy with uh, one male and one female partner uh, is almost like without like actively being chosen, but for a woman, it's more security. Mm-hmm. They can also, there's also other societies though, where having sex with multiple male partners is actually part of the cultural practice so that multiple males think that that kid is their own. Right. So that oh, multiple yeah. males have like a responsibility for that kid. Native Americans goes here both ways. were like yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you told so me like as an anthropologist, we think they're just all banging each other, but it is actually a, a really legitimate and valid reason for it. Right. It all makes sense. And then yeah. sometimes they're just banging each other because they didn't have TV. Like, you know. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you're going to eat mushrooms and, and get your screw on. <laughs> that's true. Didn't I have would. A... Yeah. <laughs>
Someone was coming to me saying that, like, what is wrong with me? I constantly think about sex. I'm a man who's been married for many, many, many years, and I cannot just stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And what, uh, like, I'm not having babies. They don't have kids together. And what, he's like, what's the purpose of this? Anthropologically, why do I have to wank it and have weird stuff come out and then I'm fine and I have to do that every day? He's like, I don't want to be obsessed. I is it just having more testosterone? Is there a reason why guys are so sex driven if they don't I have think, kids? Like there's all whenever it comes to like psychology and like, you know, abnormality is they we often like um criticize you for using that term, but um but like sexual abnormalities, right? Like that where you have a compulsion. I think sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's like um hormonal, like the endocrine system, like different testosterone levels or something. And then often I think it's like product of uh, abuse maybe mm. and um uh whatever i del- or uploaded an episode about my psych treatments that I, um yes. wow. so uh, i know a lot of like trauma could be very heavily repressed where like you sort of know things happened or various experiences happened um but you it's fragmentary remembrances right so i imagine some of these people they maybe have a history of trauma that they are aware of or it's so far repressed that they're not aware of or it was maybe just like a just a one-off um Mm -hmm. but but it was impactful nonetheless and it manifests this way or it was just like shitty parents or something you never know and that's how it manifests in a person so much of this seems to come back to getting dopamine hits and for Mm -hmm. so many of these you know disorders it's like how do we stimulate the brain or get that dopamine by addicted to something? Um, is that? Yeah, and you would be interested in biological psychology or clinical psychology because mm. that's what they get into. So they look for the causality in the body, whereas um, like a social worker, for example, would look at uh, causality as being in your social environment. And then um, anthropology, we don't really look for causality. It's more a description on mutually informing processes. So does that feel more legit, like that's based in actual science and then the other things are theory, theory, theory? Um, No, ours can actually go more towards theory because like, yeah, we describe the stuff and then we analyze it. So that's when you actually are cherry picking your theory and that's fine. That's just academics. But um, no, it's just different. I think it's more like... um, like what you're describing what is the point of inquiry um so the other thing is anthropology we don't do anything in the mind even though like my research like the philosophical underpinnings of my work um was uh, existentialism phenomenology so that's actually very much about consciousness and existence and what it means Mm. to be alive and stuff but um i was kind of rare that way wow and I'm thinking about okay, last quickie. Sorry, Joe. Are you getting? Ready? I love this. I can I'm tell just a she's fly on the wall. No, I'm good. No, obsessive thinking is an interesting one. I have a lot of people in my life that fantasize, and a lot of them are with partners. I've done this where you could go off and fantasize about a future partner, or it's almost an addiction to fantasy. What is the purpose of that? Especially if you're with a partner, why are we fantasizing so much about other people? Or why do we spend so much time in fantasy land? Does that something you could speak to? <laughs> yeah, like I've heard psychologists say, like once it starts impacting your life, like if it's impacting your ability to like drive a car or something because you're just fantasizing about George Clooney all day or whatever, <laughs> right? Or Chris if Martin. it's like hyper irrational, <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> like you're just 
thinking about like dead celebrities and stuff like just doesn't make any sense right yeah. um that's when like you'd probably get the intervention from a psychologist but uh, as an anthropology guy i'd be like that's normal like to think so be in a marriage and then think and obsess about yeah. someone else is it healthy it's normal yeah okay. but obsess like okay, that's, that's when it difference. starts getting yeah that's when i'd be like then you why? do your um and then i would just ask you why are you obsessing about other people and then you just tell me the reason and then i'd write it down and and take your name out of the account and just write <laughs> it in my book <laughs> and there you go therapy you That'll just be... ask why questions yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and just like psychology actually and it's probably yeah. like any addiction too right like you have to meet these criteria and it has to impact mm -hmm. your life is one of the criteria in the dsm whatever the book is and um then it becomes a an addiction that you need intervention for maybe yeah but then also like once you define something as an addiction or as a disorder in the dsm it's a uh, number five right oh, now five. um uh no no why i just know that <laughs> yeah. um, it was three in um, my day because i'm maddie I, from Oops and Crannies, that's what i do um but there's like i have a book called selling sickness and it was written by a couple of like ubc profs actually um and it's all about the invention of various types of illness whether it's um social anxiety disorder or oh my god that's what i'm studying disorder. right now yeah, and it's like, how is it invented? And what you find is that every single psychological disorder is actually technically invented. It's just some of them are like invented for shadier reasons than others. Like some are just like, we had to like figure out what depression means. Can I say melancholia. this? Because I just found this out the other day. The Go DSM, uh, they are funded primarily by pharmaceutical companies. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so don't trust it, folks. I mean, there might be a little nugget of... They don't know how to... I mean, you have to diagnose it this way to get the drug. So Yeah, exactly. So, But then if you can also break depression down into like 36 different types of depression and then people. Zoloft could be used for all of them, then that's pretty handy, right? Because mm. uh, doctors, physicians, like most people go to their physician for mental health, like diagnoses basically like nobody has like a psychologist like i go to one but it's like 150 bucks a pop like it's expensive like i can't afford that yeah. um so like if i need pills for my mental health and i don't actually take any and i don't judge it i just don't happen to need them and i react viciously badly to like with side effects to them Aww. i think from brain injuries yeah um which is fine then I'm happy with that um, yeah. so i'll just keep it together yeah. uh and not scream at neighbors um <laughs> but no it, uh, most people go to their physicians for their mental health diagnoses so um yeah the uh, physicians enjoy having different diagnostic categories they like diagnosing they like being able to like fit patients into a cookie cutter mold right because that's what they're trained to do mm -hmm. you could take and it probably also gives you it probably gives you a certain power to be able to say here's your thing and yeah i will fix we you call that medical authority ah okay yeah. there's a name to it yeah, yeah. it's wow. like exceptionalism as well because they think that their knowledge base is more prestigious and more advanced than you so when i go in there with like captain concussion who most people with if this amount of brain injuries they're like well that guy's clearly stupid now right because he's hit his head so many times right so that's like the quiet assumption i always get but then like I have read everything about traumatic brain injuries, like more than most medical professionals, because there's just too many illnesses to know everything about everything, right? So when I go in, they realize pretty quickly that I know what the fuck I'm talking about <laughs> and that they need to come correct. Because yeah. if they don't come correct, I'm getting a new doctor. 
Also, I mean, they don't like that. I'm is sure their specialty to study that because you're going to give a lot more fucks about your own issues exactly. than they are. Exactly. And so that's something that I had to learn. Like, um, and I learned this when I was like in my late 20s or something. I kind of grew up basically. I'm like, okay, you don't have to go in there with us. Like, screw you attitude to every medical encounter. <laughs> Maybe you should just be chill. These guys are overworked. They're trying their best. And then I started having better relationships with my doctors going forward. Yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> well, it's Don't like neurology though. <laughs> oh, really? Well, they've got the biggest ner- God complex ever, I'm sure, right? Like That's exactly yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also, then like, and then for women, like, it's way worse, right? Like, nobody believes you. Yeah, they think that you're hysterical. exaggerating or emotional as well. Like, women are so overly emotional. They imagine a lot of these things. It's just in their heads, you know. You know how they women used are. to have what was that, it? Right? Wandering uterus. Wandering uterus. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, that used to be a favorite lecture as well. Was uh, addition into the medical history because that's also what medical anthropology does. Yeah. They had orgasm yeah. doctors. They would go, yeah. oh, come to us and we'll help you. But only in a doctor setting, we'll help you get, have this orgasm. And Believe it or not, we've done a segment on that, actually. <laughs> it's one of the only things that Evan's ever, like, researched. Gotten excited about it. On the podcast. <laughs> no, ever done. Everything else is me. And it's okay. We, we totally have this understanding. He's, He's like, like, move oh. over. I got this. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, just hit record and try to keep up, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's hilarious. So did he figure out how to make someone orgasm? Um, yeah, well, it was like this box that was lined with crystals and it was, the idea was that like people would sit on the box. Now I thought you're supposed to do something into the box or something. This was early 1900s, by the way. I can't remember. You would want it to be. Yeah, no, it was like the fifties. Yeah, <laughs> it should have been the like 1905, like I wish, Crazy. but no, it was 1950. This is why only 50% of all women have orgasm now, by the way. Well, I mean, well, that's guy, part of it. Yeah. This man who uh, um, apparently had a lot of sex, but uh, only he was talking about how good he was in, in this bedroom. Um, so that's saying something. Uh, so this man believed that this box that he, only he knew how to build, uh, can gather sexual energy from the sky and transport it into the box and if you sat on it then it would get up in your body somehow wow. <laughs> so, so it's like a reverse douche yeah like an enema of uh of orgasm yeah. it's a, but it it's worked a vacuum enema wow. <laughs> <It's like backwards. laughs> but he wasn't rubbing it around or anything uh, well, it didn't work, no. Um, oh. It was just a bunch of sad naked people sitting <gasps> on these crystal boxes. Was, um, was his name he... Gwyneth Paltrow by chance? <laughs> no, but I bet you she was inspired. She sold them for $500 um, each. Yeah. <laughs> future future segment on Nooks and Crannies. I'm taking Gwyneth Paltrow down next. But, oh, uh, it's okay. Leave Her Chris out Oprah. of it, would you please? Ooh. Oprah. I'm going after Oprah. Uh, I'm okay. going after only the biggest ones. Oh, but, uh, yeah, this guy apparently, he eventually... Uh, took this box and converted it into a tube and almost like you know those guys who'd hold a stick trying to find water in like the yeah. old west or whatever rod or... yeah he had that with but like an orgasm tube and he'd like pretend that he was walking around the earth sucking orgasmic energies Juice. out of the sky and if he sucked the orgasmic energy out of the sky then that would produce rain course wow right so. who was the guy who actually did it though wasn't there a doctor who actually was giving or like he was like here's how you do it but i only can do it and yeah <laughs> 
it's like episode like thirty two on Nooks and Crannies. Okay, <laughs> he does this whole in. thing. It's like forty minutes. It was one okay, of the forty minutes. Things. I got so drunk on that one. <laughs> scotch. I was just like, this is crazy. <laughs> sweating profusely. It was great. <laughs> Amazing. So tell us your UFO stories if you're up for it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We can yeah, no, for sure. Insert a clip, sure. but I love it. I didn't hear the um the first one. I don't think I heard this most recent one. Okay, I didn't listen sure. to I wanted to hear him live. Okay, cool. Here, this is the live one. All right. So <laughs> I'll tell you the first UFO story, and then we'll tell you the most recent one, okay? Okay. <clears throat> All right. So this was like probably like seven years ago. I was out uh, camping with uh, my Muslim buddies, right? And that's important because when I go camping with them, I don't drink like excessively. I might have like a couple of beers. So I wasn't like hammered. Uh, the world was not spinning. Uh, we do smoke a lot of weed, but as we've already established, I already smoke a lot of weed. So, and it's medicinal, so it makes me even more clear-headed. Normally, I'm quite blurry visions with all the concussions, right? Yes. Uh, so I was pretty clear-headed. It was about two in the morning. I was lying on the logging road that abates the cabins out in Boston Bar with my buddy Johnny, right? And we're looking at the stars, just tripping out on some shooting stars, as you do. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, we were seeing satellites and some meteors, um, every star in the sky. And as we're just like, whoa, this is awesome, man. Can you believe we're here? Look at God's beauty and stuff. Because they're all Muslims, right? So they like to get high like that. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden, we both stopped talking at the same time. And without saying anything to each other, I look over to the right horizon. And I see this dot right and it's like that big it's like a pinhole kind of like halfway down a pencil right it's like a circle okay. and and it's solid it's like yellowish white right from the right horizon goes all the way over right to our like right over top of us and there's a tree blocking its uh, pathway it goes up to the left down and then continues on to the left wait so it's not up in the sky with all the stars. You're saying it's close it is, to yeah. you. It looks like a big, it's almost as if a planet was moving. Okay. Like oh, it's like so it's far away. Thing. It yeah, is far away. It's like away. far, but close, but like far, but not like a satellite. Like we see them all the time. I'm from BC, right? We have beautiful clear skies. Like yeah. I've seen all sorts of shooting stars and things. Like it was going in a steady trajectory, but like slow like this. Like, yeah. And then it just stops at this tree and goes like, and then just keeps going. So there's an up, a right, a down, and a left. For people who can't see, it looks like. But that's, so we watched the documentary Phenomenon last night. Joelle watched it. I I sent you the the link this morning. You probably didn't have time to watch it, but do watch it. I don't know if you've seen it already. Okay. It's Which so, one is this one? But it, it all talks about how they move oh. like that, how they just, yeah, like, yeah. these people say, they, it turns on a dime and just shoots yeah, yeah, off. Yeah, like, everybody exactly. says it. Yeah. And what I found interesting is that we didn't say anything to each other, but both of us, eyes locked on this thing immediately. <gasps> we were talking, and all of a sudden, we both went dead silent. We watched it in silence. And once it was gone, I looked over at the guy. I'm like, dude, did you see that? And he's like, <laughs> yeah man what the hell was that and i'm like i don't know i still getting goosebumps yes, right me now too. and he's the other like we go camping all the time like he's seen the woods as much these guys are afghans as well like they've seen beautiful stars in their own home country yeah. um yeah. he's like i've never seen anything like that like did you get see it make that movement and he's like yeah and then behind us this is the kicker we hear 
like that not a bear but a cougar right <gasps> and you don't hear cougars you guys are from california you know what cougars are well they, they don't get mountain lions, lions. yeah same thing cougars mountain yeah. lions they're the same thing they'll just kill you right yeah they don't, yeah they don't warn you right <gasps> um so we book it into the cabin right and we like lock the door and that was the end of the experience by the we, way they uh, don't growl because yeah. like what because the they want to kill you yes yeah. they would be a silent hunter so why was yeah. he giving you a growl that's weird I, I don't know and it came tumbling down the hill and it was forested thank goodness and uh oh yeah we booked it all right, so Whoa. that was the first one. That was like seven, Wait, eight years ago. Right? I have a question. Okay, mystical. <laughs> I, have, I have a couple of questions. So, do you think of course. <laughs> the fact that you and your buddy both locked into it and watched it in silence was there some sort of like a telecommunication thing? Yeah. Was there some sort of consciousness 100%. thing? I felt it. Okay. Yeah, it felt like that. Yeah, and I have ESP, so like what? we can just establish that. We, yeah, I have, we, always have. We yeah. need to talk about this too. Okay. Yes, and then. So how did you know for sure? I mean, yeah, I mean, the movement. Because I've always known they're there. That it's going up and down. But it doesn't look like a meteor. What does a meteor look like? That was my question. Because a satellite oh. goes real slow. Yeah. And a meteor, what so is like a meteor? So like a shooting star, it's like it, you'll see a flash, like, and then it'll be gone. Like halfway across the horizon, like a little streak. Yeah. And then it's gone like that. Yeah. And then a satellite looks like just a solid trajectory. And it looks even smaller. It's like a little tiny tiny dot right okay. and like we've seen enough satellites now unfortunately yeah you know planes as well i know what a plane looks right. like obviously and so you're saying a, a shooting star is a meteor yeah oh okay. yeah i didn't know that yeah, a meteorite a i believe is when it enters the atmosphere okay all right it's gonna get bogged I'm down a newbie at, here, ladies. i know i'm a newbie at all this stuff i was into biology and all that stuff i didn't do anything physics blah, blah, all that for me but Okay. All right. So that was your. That's crazy. Did you okay, report it to anyone? Okay. Second UFO story. Oh. Uh, just my buddies, and yeah. they they all believed us because the look on our faces were like, okay, shit, these guys saw a UFO. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So when um, you watch this new movie yeah. too, they did have um, a UFO reporting collection agency and a big program that they oh, really? sh they shut down in. Oh. 19... It was called Blue Book. Well, they had that oh, Project Blue Book, yeah. Too, but then it was like in 1969 they finally shut it down. So now, whenever people have UFO sightings, they just report it to their local police, and then it goes nowhere. So there's no <gasps> central collection um, project anymore. So well, seriously, the best thing that Trump ever did was like open up those archives. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the only good thing he did in his presidency was let us know about UFOs. Did you read them? Exist. Like, where do you find them, and how do you read them, and how long um, are they? I think you can just like not even the dark web. Like they're just on Google. Like you just. Uh, just oh my god! Like, Do you know how to get on the dark web? No, actually, I'm too afraid. I, I'm, I'm too sure afraid. I can figure it out. But don't, I don't do want it. To. Yeah. No. Don't. Like, what am I gonna get? Like yellow powder, and then get the oh. FBI coming over here. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. No. No dark yeah. web allowed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. UFO story number two. All right. UFO no story number two happened last year. Actually, um, I picked up a paper route. Right. So I wake up at like what? four. Yeah. Four in the morning. I'm a paper boy as well. <laughs> six days a week, man. Four in the morning till like six thirty. Now I picked up an additional paper route. So it's like it's a lot. Anyway, this is where so he I'm... gets all his beautiful photos and stuff in the early morning along the coastline Actually, where yeah. he lives. And yeah, yeah. It's... That's where all the sunrise pictures come from. It's really <laughs> it's pretty. OK. And then we'll go back to why paper paper out like yeah. what oh. is it about it <laughs> okay, we sure. can come back to it um okay so i was on, getting ready for my paper route um having a smoke drinking a coffee hating my life right like because <laughs> it was just the start of the paper route so it was only like week three right and it was like oh man why i'm up this early 
And I'm just like, I hate my life. And I look over to the two o'clock position on like if a clock, right? I was looking over at two o'clock and I see a band of, I believe it was seven lights in a convex or concave sort of arrangement. So like a, like a C, but with the butt end pointing off to the right, like a half moon. Yeah. Like crescent moon, seven um, lights, right. And an odd number and a contrail coming out of the back of it. And this thing was moving like probably like an inch every 30 seconds at most. Now this was one of those things where it seemed like it was close, right? Like it was just over top of a house in front of me, but that would have made it like two inches tall right so it must have been really far away but it seemed like it was a big craft and it was moving just silently (sighs) but pretty quickly like if it was far away it was moving like really fast like moving in an inch in like 10 seconds is probably a lot i don't know but it or it was going surprisingly slowly or something well and i wonder if your brain is trying to like compute wait if that's an airplane it can't go like this and stop so it must be something close by so, you know, with both experiences, I didn't compute anything. I just took it in. I was like, I'm going to stare at this yeah. and remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't a, there was no thinking actually. Like out camping, we just went silent and watched it. Same thing here. I was just like, I went from, I hate my life. I don't want to deliver these people. Like that. And just staring at think, it. Because okay. in that documentary, they say, you know, it was like a weird telepathy that happened i couldn't not look at it yeah i was just like boof wow like just staring at it right (laughs) is that a normal does that happen with anything else in your life where you uh yeah that's the esp we can get to that okay okay i'm loving this so so much this is so fun (laughs) i told you i told you i know all right so as i'm looking at this thing it's not only is it moving in this slow pattern but it also is wobbling like on its axis like this like 10 degrees wobble and then it would do a pivot around its center axis as well like 10 degrees so it was like wobbling and moving for me and it was just like showing off almost right and then because i'm almost 40 and i'm smoking a cigarette and drinking a coffee at four in the morning you know what i gotta do Right, I got to rush inside and go to the bathroom, right? So, or else I was going to crap my pants. And so I was like, oh, no, right? And, and that doesn't normally happen to me. Like, and this is a lot of TMI, but who cares? Yeah, welcome to hey, nooks and crannies and muscle this is, Yeah. So I run inside. So in I do it as fast as humanly possible so I can book it back outside again. And, of course, it's gone. Oh, oh my god now here's the kicker on this story so before i almost got eaten by a mountain lion me and johnny um so eight months prior i sent a message to rob the guy from our strange skies my buddy from podcasting he has a ufo show i'm like oh i've seen a ufo like one ufo um i should come on the show right and that was eight months ago three hours later so i was at four at 7 a.m this other ufo podcaster who i have no relationship with named ryan sprague and he has a pretty big show uh somewhere in the skies i believe is a show um and i clipped up the audio and sent it to him but he reaches out he's like i saw your reply to rob just now do you want to come on the show and talk about your ufo story i'm like dude i just saw a second one at four o'clock in the morning today what that's too coincidental that's yeah. crazy yeah. oh i love it i love it <laughs> what does it. it mean right what does what do it you mean? think i think like um 
most people have ESP. We, it's just a matter of whether you want to turn it on or not. Like, I think it's just an animal instinct kind of thing. But I think UFOs tend to show themselves to people who are in one way or the other, may not just be ESP, are somehow receptive. Like, if they have technology to fly across the galaxy, they have the technology to read our minds, I'd imagine, right? So they're probably like, that pot smoker from PC you probably <laughs> believe this and uh yeah. you know like maybe that's why you see a lot of sightings in like California BC Oregon Seattle yeah. you know it's like all that, all that all good we minded yeah we're all just sort of like hey whatever man <laughs> I worked on so I work on the movies I used to let's just say past mm -hmm. tense and um there was a security guard because we hire guards a lot to guard equipment while we're in between scenes and whatever but this guy was you know he's probably in his mid-60s and I just sat with him for a second just because I happened to be sitting there. And then he had the most calming presence. And that doesn't happen to me very often where I just go, you kind of melt in someone's voice. And he was a weirdo. He was this true weirdo. And then he told me like after you. I sat there for a half an hour, like you, much like you. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, he goes, oh, I also summon UFOs. And I was like, oh. huh. And then he told oh. me he had died when he was 17 of a heroin overdose and went into a spacecraft oh. and happened to see Jesus also. So I was like, this guy is out of his fucking gourd. But yeah. he told the story. And then and then I went on YouTube and he summons UFOs. He's he's very open to it. But I could tell there was just a, like this presence to him that that calming spirit. It's usually someone who's mm. really grounded and connected that all connect yeah. with that. And I'm like, this guy's totally legit. Wild. Robert Bingham is his name. B I Bingham. Okay. Bingham. Okay. Yeah. And does so he tell that story? Well, steer clear of that guy. Yeah. <laughs> steer clear. But I mean, it's but it's that same thing. Of I think he might be open enough to receive information, like you're saying. Wow. You know. Yeah, maybe. And and like, I don't know. I think it's like so. My ESP is like it runs in my family. It uh, tends to go down the maternal line. Uh, my sister has it. She sees um, more visual. Uh, stuff whereas myself it's um it's like intuition and empathy based so i can feel other people's feelings and i can also put psychic tendrils out so i can get people to phone if i need to talk to a certain <gasps> friend um i'll start thinking about them and within 20 minutes they're phoning me and they're like i don't know dude i was just getting a coffee and i just started thinking about you i'm like i know oh my like, have you used this you have you used this on girls <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, funnily enough, like if you intentionally try for me, if I intentionally try to deploy it, it it doesn't work like correctly. So it just has um, to be of good, good spirit with no yeah, manipulation. It just, it just comes from the background. It's it's back here in the back of my head. I get a whisper like, like that. And then that's that's how my ESP takes a form. So if I listen to that whisper or the other channel, I suppose I get is uh, through music. Like I'll, I'll, a song will come up and if I just listen to that one particular lyric or that one verse, I, I know who to talk to and what they need to hear and what they need to talk to me about and stuff. Wow. wow. Wait, describe that more. How, what do you mean? So, so through a lyric, the thought just comes to you or is it like that same whisper in the back of your head? It's a whisper, but it's the lyric is whispered. So, for example, it would be a lyric of a U2 song that says, you know, call your mother or something that's like specific direction. Yeah, totally. Oh, it's a lyric yeah. that or do you that just then it takes more, it takes a meaning to you, right? Both. Both. Oh, <laughs> mysterious. Okay, what sign yeah. are you? A Scorpio. Me too. Oh, yeah. This you all guys. makes sense. 
Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. Do you believe That's in so all cool. that uh, also? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Wow. Horoscopes? Yeah, 100%. That's one that, like, I believe in it because of arche- archaeology and anthropology. Okay, why? Because now a lot of people would debunk it and say for the exact opposite reason. Like, I think oh. the pe- for one thing, half the people who debunk it are afraid of it. The other half are too stupid to understand. Okay? So let's settle down. <laughs> people. <laughs> or experts. <laughs> it's like, shut He's up. doing lots like, of air I'm, quotes, I'm folks. I'm going to deal with the folks uh, from India who've been doing this for like 7,000 years. Yeah. So I think it's a lot of it comes down to like gravity. Um, so if like the moon and the sun are and the rotation and the tilt of the earth, all these Newtonian physics terms that we would use, um, the ancient peoples had either a partial or darn near as full an understanding of the cosmos or even more sophisticated than we do uh just based on sight and like feel and noticing through experimentation so i think a lot of like what horoscopes um and like your birth sign uh what influences that is the position of the the solar system and the different heavenly bodies because of the gravitational pull it has on people okay so i I just potentially why personalities are somewhat categorized because i mean i'm a so much a scorpio (laughs) I know. Yeah. I mean, it's. I want. I, I'll fluctuate when I talk to you. I'll be like, yes, and then I'll go back to my uh, astrology teacher, who's like, all the stuff of your body is eighty percent water, and the that, that's moon what I've has said too. Yeah. gravity. Yeah. He goes, that's all bullshit because you're. Mm-hmm. Why he goes, give wait, this wait. argument. Wait, astrology yes. or astronomy? I'm sorry, astronomy. Okay. So. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm like, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, uh, he he has a very small client base. Uh, yeah, an <laughs> astrologist that goes, it's all bullshit. So uh, what I would say to that astronomer is, um, so you're telling me that gravity works on all bodies of water except for the bodies of water that are in our bodies? And then he would say, then why doesn't a glass of water... Why doesn't that get pulled by the moon? It's got to be a large enough mass of water that's actually affected. Why does uh, your... it's, Well, it's called evaporation, and it does. So, okay. I'm going to use that next time. Like, you say that into a microphone. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess no, that would be, yeah. Like, uh, like okay. I, it just is evaporation. Like, the other thing that for me, like, I get crazy migraines with barometric pressure changes. Like that is the biggest trigger for my migraines and like they're different than the other headaches I get. And I, I can tell when weather is coming in basically. And it's probably because I've had so many head injuries, but it's also like I can feel pressure changes and it's water pressure yeah. essentially. Yeah. So. In your body and you're feeling yeah. the, and yeah. weather will cause it, will the moon or the planetary not that I've noticed, but I imagine if I started tracking it or paying attention to it, I could probably notice things. But like the barometric pressure thing is like, oh, why do I? And then I'll look out the window and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's a crazy storm rolling in from oh, <laughs> like across yeah. the water. Yeah. So I can wow. actually see it. And it's like every time. That's yeah. wild. I feel like I don't sleep well when there's a full moon. I think there's a connection there for me and you and mom. We've all uh, mm. kind of tracked that. And I tried to, I'm sorry. No, no, that's speak. it. Okay. I tried the, <laughs> I get excited. But the other night I had no clue it was a full moon. Honestly, legit. I was, nobody said anything. I wasn't looking at any calendar and everything was closed in my windows. And, and you I, turned into a wolf. Oh, no. I turned into a wolf. I was very hairy. <laughs> I started plucking everything. I a stick. No, I, uh, it was a full moon. So I was up until two in the morning and I kept going, what the 
fuck? And I finally opened the window and I was like, oh. So I know it's not psychological that you it was a seed planted. So, Maddie, you mentioned that you get um, you've had concussions. How and one or two. Yeah. <laughs> like a <laughs> lot, like 30 something. Right. You're saying. Yeah. How to tell for our listeners who may not know you. What's what's the background of that? If you want. Uh, it's, yeah. No, it's 100%. the paper route. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got to come back to the paper. route. <laughs> uh, so. Well, the reason why I deliver papers is because that's the only sort of job I can hold down with all these concussion symptoms. But uh, so I'm 38 now. I know I don't look it. I know I look like I'm 27. You look so... (laughs) I say that too. Yes. A young chicken. Um, Gorgeous. So I got my first one when I was 14. And uh, by the age of 19-ish, 18, I had gotten like six. Um and at that point, that, that was when I got my first major motor vehicle accident. And uh, that's when the symptoms stayed and never really went away. And then every subsequent concussion I got afterwards, and yes, they are like easier to get, but these are like the, when I say that number, like over 30, it's like full blast concussions would give an able-bodied person a concussion <sighs> kind of level. Um, after number five or six, when I was like 19, 18, 19, yeah, the symptoms just stayed permanent. And then every subsequent concussion would just add on certain new symptoms or make pre-existing ones more so, severe. But what was happening that you were getting so many? Just by like normal kid behavior? Were you, yeah, like were I you compromised because of your first one? Um, yeah, like that's something that um, that's pretty... Pretty clever of you there. Well I'm done, Scorpio. gold star. <laughs> gold star, Scorpio. Um, so uh, yeah, like your balance goes, for example, and then also like my spatial awareness, like knowing where like the wall Depth is, like right there. And all that, yeah. You both become hyper aware, like like I I'm keep fixating on the fact that this thing in front of me that won't hurt me is like I guess all I can think about is like wow. this thing in front of my face versus. Oh, what's that, Mel? And just walking into a wall. Uh, wow. Yeah, so it's kind of both, which is weird. So there's like also a PTSD sort of situation, like a hypervigilance is what they also often call it in the trauma therapy. And this is what I studied in grad school. So like it was one of the ways I took like a primarily negative experience and tried to do something positive yeah. with it. What, what, so how does that even work that you formulate? What's a grad program that encompasses it? Oh, um, medical anthropology is the discipline that I wow. studied. So it's like the um, sociocultural dimensions of the healthcare encounter. Um, and then I used my own experience. It's called in anthropology reflexivity, using your own experience as a research tool or a methodology um, to, you know, get closer with to my informants. So I interviewed um, uh, athletes with con- a history of concussions. And I also interviewed medical professionals of various types with who treat athletes with concussions. And then I mobilized my own experience. Wow. You know, okay, so our dad played for the New York Jets and played football. And, really? Yeah. That's and cool. uh, I know, right? It's um, But we were thinking, so what is the injury that you get from all the concussions that the C, it's called uh, like CTE. CBT, CTE. Yeah, CBD. How, <laughs> CBD? <laughs> um, how likely is it? Because, you know, he had a lot of mood swings. We And then we wondered, it wasn't diagnosed back then. Yeah, he passed away likely. in 2000. So, you know, I think it was oh, like okay. afterwards. Um, okay, so CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. 
FOP. Um, <laughs> it, it's a post-mortem diagnosis. So it, like after I um, leave this earth and go to a different plane, um, my brain, I'm pretty sure, I think Boston actually dropped me from the study. So I have to sign up with Toronto. Um, I'm going to donate my brain to science so that oh, they wow. can carve it up and learn about it. Um, because that's right now the only way you can diagnose CTE. It's, oh. And CTE is basically like, um, patches of like plaque they call it it's like black tarring um on the interior like of the brain kind of. yeah it's exactly like alzheimer's that's exactly it now alzheimer's is the genetic research is saying that it's um triggered by um an allele called the apoe three four or five i can't remember allele um that everybody has in their body but people for various reasons who get Alzheimer's, such as those with a history of traumatic brain injury, um, that allele gets activated. And that's what produces, it doesn't produce the plaque, but it inhibits the body's ability, like the, the enzymes in the body's ability to break down that plaque in the first place. The plaque mm. is a protein. So it um, starts building up in the brain and it builds up on so there's two levels of the brain. There's the gray matter and then the, underneath is the white matter, right? Like the interior of the brain. That's often where CT and the damages from Alzheimer's exist. So we don't have scanning technologies to get down that In the white. level. Okay. Yeah, down on the white level. But the one that will be the one that allows us to do it is functional MRI, fMRI. Um, and, uh, but it's very expensive and not very common. And that's why you sign up for studies so that you can... Um get that kind of stuff the other thing that. too my doctor says is like because I, I asked my current doctor a couple of times like dude i got cte man like i know you're not supposed to diagnose it but like i got fucking cte probably yeah. <laughs> like i'm just i forget who i am sometimes really like, I, I forget where i am in the house like i get confused really easily how I'm, often i'm prone all the time and i'm prone to mood swings any sort of stressors will send me over the like i'm pretty chill cat right like yeah yeah, I'm, I'm. I get crazy mood swings. Yeah. I like, could use like you rage. over here with people yeah. in the backyard if you want a place <laughs> well, to release. Honestly, it's like if I heard people in the backyard, I'd be like, "What? What is that? Shut up! Shut yeah. up!" <laughs> like, uh, like it's like that. I like, wish I had. If that I don't bottle it down and it's hard yeah. to keep it yeah. bottled in. Um, so, so this is why the paper route makes sense. Yeah, it's a little chill. <laughs> Nobody's telling um, you, you know, what to do. Meet the neighbors. Uh, but it's also like, it's also like the politics of being a disabled person because like, without getting into any sort of specifics, but just in generalities as a disabled person, society expects you to be a productive member of society, even if you are a disabled person. They will consider you lazy if you don't do something like the paper route. Like, it's just the way it is. These, and this is disability politics. And this is really what medical anthropology is all about. And this is happening yeah. in Canada, though, with your great healthcare system. Yeah. 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 Because it's, I know that happens stigma. here. It's like, a, yeah. you know, in order to get your welfare check or your, like, it's a work to welfare program. So you really have mm -hmm. to. And they're like, well, I can't work because I have three kids. And anyway, yeah. but. No, and that was and an evil thing that um, uh, Clinton Reagan. brought in. Oh, yeah, you're right, right. The other thing to think about, too, is how often do you hear disability policy discussed on the national, state, or local level? Never. Never. We're like the biggest silent minority in either of our countries, Like because it's not the case in Canada either. Um, and 
like I don't know, like it's it's impossible to get on disability uh, in Canada as well. And then if I do, um, believe it or not, six hundred and twenty bucks a month, and and I'm not paying? allowed know that I'm getting paid. Oh, oh. Six hundred and twenty is the max disability amount, and I'm not nothing. allowed to work. Oh, that's because what? if I work, then they carve it off of the disability. Wow, that's that's insane. so backwards. Oh Evil, right? Yeah, like that's like real. 1950s policy, right? But it's I just had century. faith in Canada. I was about to move there during this. I Trump know thing, we all and think... now I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but can I say what was I going to say that felt important? Camp Crip. Have you seen that documentary yet? Not yet, but I've heard amazing things about it's it. It's yeah. beautiful, and I would yeah. say watch it. And I hope that we all watch it and get really pissed off about the good disability yeah, politics. Everybody who becomes a permanently disabled or a chronically ill person becomes a disability advocate. You yeah. just everyone does. They become radicalized and they're like, "Oh my god, I had no idea because nobody talks about disabled people ever." Yeah. It's yeah. true. It's this weird thing and even having that documentary sitting in my queue for a year, it's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I should watch that, but oh, it just seems really It's kind of like you just put it to the side going, oh, right. "I don't want to think right. about that." Like it's not Heavy. happening to yeah. me. It's sad. I don't want to go there. Yeah. And it's we need to look at that just like our history mm-hmm. and everything else. So But, but I takes, swear to God. Yeah. Yeah, it takes because, people like, like you talking oh, about oh, it oh. and then you interviewed um Kelly Nerdzilla Mendenhall and She's a great advocate for it and, you know, wrote a book about it, medical gaslighting and all of that. And wow. Yeah. 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 You wanted me to bulldog Kelly from the deli? Like, she'll <laughs> she'll, she'll fuck you up. Yeah. Like she's, really? She's no joke. Yeah. yeah. But she's got a completely deteriorated spine, so it's oh. probably easy to push over. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, Kelly. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> but she's from, she's from Flint, Michigan as well. So. Oh, mm-hmm. Flint. Will you talk yeah. about the water in that fucking place? Excuse my French. I think that's what made her so strong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she She was from non-mom, non-mom's happy hour. Remember my mm-hmm. tank top that hey. I wore? Yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah totally. Kelly. Wow. Yeah. Well, you are amazing. I think you are just a walking encyclopedia and a beautiful human and a wonderful dad, too. His daughter is the sweetest little vibe. I feel like I've, you know, watched her grow up really from the time she was a baby. And it's it's so sweet. She's and she's a little wing. She's a little smarty too, like her dad. So, dude, she's Aww. learning Spanish right now. She what? just ca- she counted to a hundred on the playground on the swing. She's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like she just went all the way up to a hundred. How old is she? Almost four. What? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Who's she's... teaching her? Me. <laughs> what? And he does um, tutoring and, and teaching on the side too. So yeah, yeah, she's very yeah. I come by it honestly. Yeah, it's um, it's the most fascinating anthropological experiment of my life. I just don't wow. hope I don't screw it up. <laughs> now, are you? I think I've seen a lot of Facebook photos. You're not married, are you? I am married. Yeah, oh, but my are. wife works in politics, so um, like for political, legitimate political reasons, I have to be extremely careful about what I post on social media. Oh. Like I can't tag her in social media posts or like I'd rather not or like sometimes yeah. when I post for the podcast for example um, I have a certain thing on Facebook where I'm like eh, not that you probably don't need to see this like wow. <laughs> podcast there's nothing heinous in the podcast nothing I'm ashamed of but it's also like yeah it's probably just easier this way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you I know we were yeah. in the closet for a whole year just because we wanted <laughs> to talk about 
toots and burps and farts and <laughs> and uh that was dumb this is so. joelle <laughs> this is joelle Dude, poop is coming up on nooks and crannies like so often I, now i don't know what's happening everybody poops it's great i mean let's poops. talk about it but i think more it was like the sex talk too and then i have kids who are just like they think their mom's an Ew, angel mom. <laughs> anyway i know that was a whole lot of s's i'm sorry for whoever edits this, because <laughs> I also have my new Sibling fake tooth. S's. Yeah. Anyway. Super soaker. <laughs> no. Sassafras. Sibilance. Sassafras. <laughs> All right. Well, Maddie, you're the best. Everybody go Aww. to Nooks and Crannies. Tell us a little bit about your podcast if it, in a nutshell. Uh, yeah, sure. It's um, it's hard to describe. It's a social science variety show, very political, but also sometimes totally apolitical. Like we'll talk about poop, we'll talk about cooking, we'll talk about politics. Uh, no two episodes are the same. Have a lot of guests on. And um, generally every episode is um, chopped up, uh, made up a bunch of different little segments. So even within the episode, uh, the topics change all the time. So it should be fresh and interesting and easy to find. So you just type nooks and crannies everywhere you find podcasts, except YouTube. Because oh. I've had too many concussions to do video work. Oh, are you okay <laughs> with our do video? It. Do you want to be on ours still? Or should we uh, talk about that? Oh, no, it's totally fine. Oh, oh yeah, okay. no, it's fine. Like, I'm I'm surprised. I used to be really photophobic and, like, really shy and insecure about being on camera. But enough uh, ladies have told me I'm attractive. Oh, that, you... Uh, yes, I know. <laughs> of I'm trying course to, you are. I'm trying to find a good uh, celebrity lookalike. Julianne and I are good Just, at celebrity lookalikes. Okay, let's look. Okay. Let's we'll see. But I said Clark Kent when you were doing that thing before with your eyebrows. I mean, I would say Denzel Washington and George Clooney. If they had a baby, that would be me. Oh, <laughs> it is. I like it. All right. That's it. That I have a lot of male celebrity crushes. Next time we come on, we'll talk about all Maddies. Um, you were... Just straight up, like... That was one of the I things I noticed. I just love a lot of male celebrities. Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Hall, what do you think? Uh, I, I'm more of a like I, I like Christian Bale. I think Christian Bale is hot as hell. Wow. But if I had to pick like a weird looking um, crush, I've always kind of had the hots for Edward Norton. Ooh. That's weird. Yeah. I just thought about him last night and said, "What happened?" I know. He was—he's hard to work with. That's why we I haven't know. seen I was him in very your much. mind. <laughs> he sent you the message. Yeah. yeah, and you were talking about Joe Rogan's buddy, how handsome he was. It just came kidding. up about twelve times in that last episode. Yeah, Aubrey Marcus. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. I was like driving, and I had to like pull over and look him up. I'm like, okay, yeah, he's right. Very handsome. He's very handsome. <laughs> Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. I know his buddy his Aubrey buddy. Marcus. Oh. Google Aubrey Marcus if you. Are feeling lonely tonight. Yeah, Patrick Wilson and Patrick Wilson. Mm. This is Ween's yeah, guy. There's a lot of good-looking hockey players too. Like, yeah. There we go, folks. All right, we'll leave you on that note. <laughs> Maddie's man crush. Go to Nooks and Crannies for more hot tips for social psychology. For uh, good bumper music in between too. I always love that and great oh, conversations. Thank and thank you, Kala. Evan and you, you're just great. So Nooks and Crannies, everyone, and we thank you for your time and we just love Thanks you. Thanks for coming. And we love you. Fan, and we are mutual uh, fans back. So yeah, much love. You're, download every time. You're our crush. All right, <laughs> there we go. I feel the same way. Oh, I'm blushing now. <laughs> All right, bye everybody. We'll see bye. you soon. Bye. bye. Mouse and weans and mouse and weans and mouse and weans and mouse and weans, yeah. Mouse and weans and mouse and weans and mouse and weans and mouse and weans, yeah. Hey everyone, this is Tove, host of Gravity Beard 
podcast featuring interviews and discussions on a wide range of topics. In each episode, I'll either interview a special guest or we'll convene our typical Algonquin roundtable of brilliant minds. Occasionally, we'll even be joined by the host of one of your other favorite podcasts. Then every other week, my buddy Adam stops by for an installment of This Week Today. Whatever we do each week, we promise you'll be entertained. You can find Gravity Beard on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else quality podcasts are sold. And you can always find us and other indie pods in the Underdog Podcast community on Facebook. We're also a member of the Podfix Network. Come check us out. Gravity Beard. It's what your ears will want to be listening to. This was a podcast of the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.